superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Eisen. If you're good enough to win the East, you should be next. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Ah, uh, yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Durant, Tatum, Jalen Brown... Kyrie, let's go. Let's go! Earlier on the show, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Coming up, CBS Sports NFL analyst Charles Davis. NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Oh, number two of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial here on Peacock, Sirius XM Channel 85. The Rich Eisen Show, Terrestrial Radio Network, Odyssey. Streaming us on that app. Maybe you're listening to us on our podcast later on. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. That's how you can get this podcast. The Rich Eisen Show basketball show podcast with Brockman, TJ, and our call screener, Adam Chudman. Chudwin, the... Uh, just getting started podcast with uh, Susie Schuster as the host. Great stuff with Leslie Visser and Susie. Leslie is uh, Susie's mentor. Mm-hmm. It's always great when you hear somebody interview their mentor. There's a certain pep in somebody's questioning step, and there wasn't Susie's. Go check it all out at the uh, Cumulus Podcast Network or where all podcasts can be acquired. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for anything that you may have missed, including um, the first hour, Lane, Kiff- Lane Kiffin, the head coach of Ole Miss joining us uh, on the program. Um, 844-204-RICH to have a conversation today. Uh, but joining us right here to kick off hour number two here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line um, is a, uh, one of the first prospects I met at uh, the combine. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I went down to the 40-yard dash line uh, the first day I got there. Because, you know, I always like seeing where the money gets made. <laughs> I always like going down there to just uh, Size uh, people up visualize my own personal glory, even though, as you know, I'm running it at the Rose Bowl this next weekend and to air during the draft weekend, uh, not at the combine. But uh, who comes strolling down the steps? Um, but E.K. Iquanu. And you cannot miss the man. Big man. They cannot miss him. And uh, we had a nice conversation real quick. And that now leads to the man on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line right now from NC State. Uh, and now one of the top prospects available in this year's draft, E.K. Iquanu. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Rich? How have you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. You know, since the combine, just going through meetings and kind of just you know, finishing up this process. Okay, and that was fun getting to meet you, Icky. I mean, you were coming down, and then you got you got your brother who plays for Notre Dame on the phone. We FaceTimed him, I was. right? Yeah, right? I was talking to him on FaceTime, and I was like, hold on, I kind of, guy kind of looks familiar over there. <laughs> look, look up, and it was you. So, yeah, it was great to meet you. It was really great to meet you. How how have you been since then? What is your what has been your journey since you and I uh, crossed paths in Indianapolis? Yeah, so. Right after the combine, you know, I came back to Raleigh and I was getting ready for the for a pro day. You know, uh, NC State's pro day was on the 29th, so, you know, kind of late. So I was getting ready for that, you know, doing Zoom calls and stuff, meeting with different teams. Then after the pro day, you know, more of the same, Zoom calls, meetings, and I started my in-person visits uh, during April, first week of April. Who did you see in person? Who did you visit? My first one was Jacksonville. Okay. And then I, I saw the Giants and the Jets uh, this last week. Okay. How's uh, how was New York? What what was that like? Yeah, it was for you? cool. It was cool. I have a family in New York and New Jersey, so you know I've been around the area, seen the area a couple times, but you know it's actually been a while since I've been in the city or really been to New Jersey. So you know, definitely cool. 
uh, you know, being able to see that area again. What was asked of you? I mean, what are you? What do you? What do you hear about? Uh, I mean, really, it's just a variety of things. You know, each team kind of has their own process. Uh, but really, I just excited to talk football. You know, every time I get into a building, you know, meet some of the staff. I always want to talk football and kind of just learn a little bit more about the system that they run and just a little bit more about the NFL as a whole. AKA Quanu here on the Rich Eisen show. So when did you first realize you could play football? When did that first hit you? Well, I played flag football at my whole life. Um, I guess growing up and I always wanted to play tackle football. So uh, I guess I kind of had to convince my mom more than anything that I could. Um, but I, uh, she finally, you know, folded, let me play when I was in third grade. I was nine years old. And uh, I was playing up with the older kids, and you know I was still starting on the, you know, on my, on my pot winner squad. So that's when I kind of knew, okay, I might, you know, be kind of good at this thing. And uh, you know, I just really, I just always loved the game. And I guess uh, my passion for football really kind of carried uh, my abilities. You know, I guess up up until this point. So when were you always bigger than everybody else, or no? Uh, for my age, yeah, I was usually you know one of the bigger kids. Uh, for my grade, definitely. And then, honestly, when I came to college, um, at first, you know, I was pretty, you know, pretty slight framed, I guess is the word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had, I knew I, I was a guy that coming into college was going to need to really lock into that weight program. Uh, that was kind of me. But, yeah, for my grade, I've definitely been one of the bigger kids. Okay. All right. And so you had to convince your mom, hey, I want to go out and play tackle football. So were you always, though – you don't really tackle anybody, right? I mean, you're not. Have you ever taken anybody down? Of course. So, like my first year playing for owner, really both years, I only played D line. Okay. Um, I was playing nose tackle, you know, right over the center. So, two way goes, always able to soften my athleticism a little bit, making plays. And then in middle school, that's where I first started playing O line. But I still went both ways. So I played O line and D line. Same thing with high school. So really, and uh, I even got a tackle this past season. So you know, still, still tackling people. You know, still pre- uh, putting people to the ground. Okay, so um, let's not hope you have to do that uh, any longer. Um, and then um, a lot of conversation at the combine about your your foray into musical theater. Uh, Icky, walk me through that. Your history of uh, performing. You got something for me on that? Yeah, I really just started. Uh, yeah, I guess when I was a kid, you know, my mom wanted us out of the house, and so she was looking around the Charlotte area, trying to find summer camps for me and my brother, and then she just found this musical theater camp mm-hmm. that she thought, you know, me and my brother might enjoy. I guess, you know, something to keep us active, something that was different to keep our interest, and so we kind of just did the camp, and we actually wound up enjoying it and did it for, you know, two two more years after that. Um, see, that, you know, back, back in elementary school days, I was, you know, Pongo the dog, and Oh, that sort of stuff. So I mean, I had I had fun with it. Pongo the dog. That's your that's your your big uh, award winning performance. Is that what you would put out there, there as your best? Right there. Yeah, that was a big break. That's going right on my MVP. <laughs> MVP for sure. Your big break is Pongo the dog, huh? Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Is there? Um, let's just so let's just say you do wind up um, with a team in New York. Would you want to perform like a little off Broadway, a little bit, a little Broadway, um, you know, off season stuff? You got like a like a a limited run uh, for summer or something like that. Would you want to do something? Uh, no, I'm gonna hold off on those uh, for you know as much as long as I need. You know, if I go to New York, one of the New York teams, I'm gonna spend those off seasons. You know, making sure I'm the best football player I can be. But uh. I mean, you you never know. You know, opportunities might come and go and. You know, I guess you're gonna just have to play that by ear. I don't think your um, interest in theater, Icky, would be a red flag. You don't have to do that with me, honestly. I think that that, I honestly think that that would mean I'd, I'd want somebody to do something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's pretty cool. You know? I mean, there's a lot of you know, a lot of parallels between musical theater and you know things you need for football. You know, breath control, being able to sing and dance. Yes. Being able to move your feet, so I feel like you know it might actually be a pretty good offseason activity. I don't know, maybe Lin Manuel Miranda is an <laughs> NFL fan that you can we can connect you guys. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, you gotta look into that. Okay, I'm I'm here for you. Richard's also you know rookies have to do talent shows sometimes oh. during camp. So, you oh know. man. <laughs> 
you, man. Yeah, get ready for the rookie show, sir. Get ready for the rookie yeah, show. Know. You know. All the pictures of me and, you know, as Pongo and <laughs> – Back in the day, I already know the vets are going to have a field day with that one. But, you know, I'll just take on the chin and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. I love it. Fantastic. You're going to Vegas, right? Correct? You're going to yes, Vegas? Yeah I'll, be, yeah, I'll be in Vegas. Okay. So that means you must already have your uh, evening wear picked out for that, correct? I do. Yes, sir. What do we have? Give me a preview, please. Sure. What do you got? A little preview? Yes, please. All I know, all, I, all I'm going to say right now is that there's a little – you know, Nigerian aspect to it. You know, want to show off my culture a little bit. So, definitely have a part of my suit that you, you know is a is a homage to that. Okay. But I don't want I don't want to give too much. You know, I still want to keep some surprises. Okay. And I guess you know you see you see when I when I'm on that red carpet. Okay. Um, let's talk about your heritage a little bit more. Um, so, uh, I, I'll give you the floor. What what is your heritage that you'd love everyone to know about, Iki Aquana? Yes, yeah, so I'm Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tribe is Igbo, and uh, yeah, you know, growing up, it's really just been you know a big part of my culture, especially food wise. You know, still my favorite meal to this day is jollof rice and goat meat. You know, when my mom makes it. So, you know, being Nigerian is something that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what is that dish again? What is it? What is it? Jollof rice. Okay. And goat meat. And goat meat. Um, never had that. Um, it's Passover, so probably won't have it this weekend either. <laughs> um, so what, wh- what does it taste like? What does goat meat taste like? What is it? Goat meat, I guess it kind of like feels like lamb almost. It kind of has a sense of consistency, but honestly, I don't know. It's just, it's hard, it's hard to describe it. It's just like something you got to try. I feel like if you put, if you just blindfold people and give them goat meat, you know, they're going to say it's one of the best things they've ever had, but. You know, when they hear the word goat, it kind of triggers them a little bit. Sometimes it kind of puts people off. But I encourage people to really open their eyes and kind of just see the different possibilities out there. Okay. You know, goat meat's probably, you know, one of the most delicious, you know, things that out there. So, okay. so for us and goat meat. Well, I, you know, I think of goat, I think of Brady. But that's just basically the way, <laughs> I guess that's the way my brain is wired these days. So, okay. Sure. All right. So what will a team get by drafting Iki Iquanu out of NC State? I mean, the team's going to get someone that's going to work hard each and every day and be the best uh, player and teammate he can be, you know, for the for the for the franchise. You know, I just they're going to get someone who just loves his game so much and just the passive really just oozes out of them every time they step on the field. And I feel like I put that on my tape. You know, I put my love for the game and my love for my teammates and love for my for my team. I put that on my tape, you know, and everything I do uh, is a hundred percent. So I feel like you know the team's going to get the guy that's. They're really just you know going to go in there and really just try and set the tone for the team and do everything he can to bring you know bring that ring to the franchise. And you know that may be the most common question you've been asked. What what has been the strangest one you've gotten posed, either at the combine or at any of your visits or anything over Zoom over the last two months that made you go, well, hmm, okay, I I didn't see that one coming. You got one of those, okay? Strangest one. Yeah. Actually, I don't. Uh, you know the. Question have been pretty tame this year. I know in years past they've gotten a little wild, so I think the NFL uh, kind of cracked down a little bit on them. But honestly, I haven't really got any crazy questions. You know, usually pretty all the questions have been pretty pretty much the same. Nobody asked you about your musical theater background. Nobody. Shoot, uh, I'm sure you know a couple of teams did, but it was you know just asking me to describe it, describe it a little bit. Okay. Nothing crazy. No. Yeah. Okay. Nothing. No, no put. No. No choreography on the grease board or anything like that. Okay. Nah. No. Oh. No on the spot. You know, musical theater. Nothing like that. All right. So yeah, is it okay? Right. So the, is a suit? Is it is a three piece suit? I mean, come on. Give me something. What is it? How, how many? You know, what uh, what size? Just at least give me the size. What's the number of the size of your suit? The what size? Is yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I got a pretty big neckline, so that I mean, around like an eighteen and a half. Damn. So. Okay. That's, 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 that's all I can give you right there. That's a measurable. Oh, just, that is it. Just know it's going to be fresh. It's okay. Look good. Eighteen and a half. Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Okay. That's a full ten inches bigger than Kenny Pickett's hand. My mm. God. Did you ever? Th- that's something else. Okay. I'm just putting these things together right here. Um, Icky, thanks so much. Uh, it was great to meet you. Great to meet your brother by FaceTime. Great to have you on this program. Look forward to having more of conversations with you as you get uh, drafted into the next level. Congratulations in advance of what you're going to hear two weeks from last night. 
Thanks for the call. No problem. I appreciate it, Rich. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Anytime. You got it. That's Iki Ikwanu right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Is that the number one overall pick? Jacksonville had him in. I don't know. Cam Robinson being franchise tagged for sixteen million bucks, and then to go get this young man, I guess, and and I guess you're 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 taking care of both yeah, sides you, of Trevor Lawrence. You never have too many offensive linemen, right? When you got that uh, golden quarterback back there, so why not? I just don't think so. But to New York, I know Giants fans would be all over him. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be there at five. I don't know. I think it's going to go pass rusher, pass rusher, <sighs> pass rusher. I think you're going to see three of them in a row. Three in a row? I do. I think you're going to see those guys jump off the board. Mm-hmm. Unless the Lions, by the way. Lions are having Kenny Pickett in for a visit. Now, that would be that's something. number two overall. That would be just lovely, Rich. That would just be. <laughs> Just I need a GoPro on you draft night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see where Pickett winds up. I'm just over here really looking at traditional Nigerian clothing, trying to put together he comes, his, his I think outfit. It'll be glorious. I think it's an Agbada. It's, it's glorious. Like, glorious. I think it. he's going to be pimping. Love it. <laughs> 844-204-RICH, number to dial. When we come back, it's Jackie Robinson Day. We'll speak to Kostya Kennedy, whose new book, True, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson, makes him a very timely guest. And that will be next right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Don't go anywhere. Back with Kostya Kennedy in a moment. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung. And that means spring cleaning, or at least The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on uh, 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on the program. Uh, first pitch of uh, Jackie Robinson Day is underway um, with the Mets having their home opener after a highly successful first week. They invited me to throw the first pitch today, Rich, but I was you're busy. Obviously busy. Understood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also revealed the Tom, the Tom Seaver statue outside of City yeah, Field looks today. Good. Looks good. And it does look good. Yeah. It does look good. And uh, so um, the uh, the Mets are, uh, are uh, opening things up at home, and it kicks off Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball. And we figured here on April 15th, the day, the anniversary of the breaking of the color barrier, and a day, let's be honest, um, being out there on the schedule – I think knocked some heads together and got this lockout handled because um, no one wanted no baseball today. Nobody. Uh, joining us here right now on the Rich Eisen Show is the author of True, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson, Kostya Kennedy. 
baseball historian and author of this book that is available where all books are sold here on Jackie Robinson Today on the Rick Chison Show. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Rich. Good to be on with you. I'm actually talking to you from City Field here in New York. Fantastic. So uh, did you did you eyeball the Seaver uh, statue at all out there today? I, I did get a chance to look at it. Yeah, he looks, uh, he looks good. He looks big. It's, it's a little bit of a you know, competing interest in a way to have have Seaver come being unveiled on Jackie Robinson Day, but um, the statue looks great. It uh, feels like a really special day here. Of course, they're in uh, the borough of Queens, right next door to uh, Brooklyn, where uh, this all went down uh, on this date years and years ago. Uh, when you say the four seasons of Jackie Robinson, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, awesome. so Rich, I looked at four specific years in his life, but also they are metaphorically the spring, summer, autumn, and winter of Robinson's public and athletic life. And I wanted a way to kind of look at him, look at his evolution, sort of in in sequence and snapshots, uh, so to speak. There's a series of films by Michael Apted, the, the Up series, Seven Up, Fourteen Up, Thirty Five Up, where he looks at a cohort of humans every seven years and that's how he followed their life and so i had to um I, I was inspired a little bit by that and that was the tax that i took and so um what happened on this day all those years ago that you want to uh, recount for us can you recount well, I mean, for us the day yeah 75 years later and, and this was the day that jackie robinson made his debut at first base in brooklyn it was a cold day there were about fifteen thousand. Uh, people in the stands, not close to a sellout. Um, and it remains, it's still baseball's finest hour. It remains the most uh, impactful thing that's happened out of baseball, or really out of any American professional sport. Um, and it went quietly. He didn't get a hit. He did get on base. And then he, you know, took off his cleats like every other player, and, and it was on its way. History was on its way to being made. And, you know, so um, when you said quietly, it really was quiet? Well, it, it was a little bit of both, I guess. You know, there was a lot of interest, of course, and excitement and news that this was happening, uh, of course. But the actual day itself, sort of paradoxically, as I said, there wasn't a full crowd. It was kind of an ordinary game. He didn't do anything spectacular. And in, in, in the best kind of sense, it kind of came and went. I mean, I think Robinson's greatest goal, which is to be thought of as, you know, great ball player, just one of the guys. You know, and that was to him true equality and true uh, integration. Kostya Kennedy, whose book, uh, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson, here on the Rich Eisen Show, the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Why was he uh, the right man for the moment, do you think? Many, many reasons, but uh, it's a really good question. There were, there were a couple of other players, Josh Gibson, maybe Monty Urban. Uh, who, who might have had the skill or certainly had the skill to succeed. Uh, Jack had grown up in Pasadena. He played at UCLA. He played four sports uh, with a real football star. And in those sports, had played with white players. So he was kind of used to an integrated environment in that sense. Uh, he was also, he, was a, he, he had a lot of, sort of mental toughness. Uh, and he, he would speak out against injustice. But he was an interesting person that he was a disruptor, but he always disrupted within the system. He wasn't really a rule breaker. And I think Branch Rickey recognized that when uh, selecting Robinson. Another thing just is his play, the fact that he was such an aggressive base runner, so fast, and he brought that every day. That was a huge part of it. It can't be divorced from it at all because, you know, when Jackson was on the field, he was the guy you wanted to watch. And that would have been true whatever ethnicity he was or anything. He would incredibly disruptive as a ball player, super exciting to watch. And that made it that made it really work. He could not get a hit but still be mm. the most fun player you saw that day. Is it true they created split screen television for him getting on first base? That that's the first time that we really began to see that advent in baseball broadcasts. Is that true? Yeah. So I, I, I that's been said and I tried to sort of nail it down. It was certainly around that time and he was one of the first people to sort of be to take advantage of that or the producer took advantage of it when Jackie was on base. So he sort of helped speed it along, but it was something that they were looking at doing and, and you know, trying to get into the game um, in general. There weren't a lot of guys uh, who, who stole bases and were aggressive on the base pass at all in those days. You know, he, he began drawing comparison to Ty Cobb, who had retired more than 20 years before. 
So, um, yeah, so, so it was a way to show that, and I think that, that Robinson wanted to watch Robinson sort of sped it along, but it probably would have come anyway. Who are the teammates who were um, in, in, integral in this integration and hel- helping make it uh, work? Who are they? I mean, P- yeah, I mean, Pee Wee Reese was probably the most important um, just in that he had such respect. He was the captain of the team. He was from the South, from Louisville, and um, – you know, the fact that he embraced Jackie and, and made him part of the team, that's probably the single most important. But guys like Ralph Franca, Pitcher, and, and Carl Erskine were really important um, to, to make it happen. And basically, after some hesitation by a few guys, everybody was on board. There was no way to play with Robinson as an athlete and not respect him and not see the kind of player he was, the kind of commitment he had. So pretty, pretty quickly... The whole team was on board. Kostya Kennedy here on the Rich Eisen Show. You got a story that might um, whet the appetite of our viewers and listeners uh, who are interested in maybe reading more that's contained in this book, something that you discovered you didn't know? Anything on that front, Kostya? Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good question. I, 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 one year that I look at it, the year of 1946, which was the year before he broke in uh, on April 15, 1947, and that year was, in, in a sense, really the year that he integrated baseball. He was the only black player in an all-white minor league, the best minor league uh, out there, playing for the Dodgers' top farm club. And that year was sort of full of treasures and seeing how he began the integration, some of the abuse he dealt with, also some of the uh, support and adoration he began to feel living in a French-speaking neighborhood in Montreal. I think it's an overlooked part of his life that really came came forward as being incredibly important, incredibly rich and valuable to sort of getting him ready for the challenges uh, ahead. And, uh, you know, just in terms of his uh, athletic ability a little bit more before we move on to his legacy, um, you you know, I talk to people around here in Los Angeles, some of whom who are, you know, thank goodness, still uh, around and old enough to remember what Jackie Robinson uh, looked like as a collegiate athlete here at UCLA. You know, my friends at the Rose Bowl are honoring him today as mm-hmm. well because, you know, obviously that's where he played his home games. And uh, is it true he could have been as good a football player if that's what he stuck to as he was a baseball player? Is that a true story? Constantly? I think there's, there's little question. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to deal with the physical punishment of, of football and anything can happen to a career, as we know, but. At UCLA, he was their star running back, you know, making national headlines. Um, there's a little bit of existing film. You see him, you know, break through, break into the open field and just leave people behind. He was a strong, physical player with, obviously, with that speed. Um, and he was, he was also rich. Uh, he lettered in four sports, uh, football and baseball, also basketball and track. Um, and as, as you may know, or you may know his brother, Mac, uh, finished second to Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics. Mm. Uh, so there was an incredible athletic ability in the family. He could have been a professional on any level. He was pretty concerned about staying healthy. So he, when he was in the Army, he was asked to play football um, and declined because he wanted to sort of keep his body and his knees healthy. Um, and it's a good thing he did. And he, and he brought all of that physicality and that athletic ability the baseball field. Kostya Kennedy uh, calling in from City Field on the day of Jackie Robinson Day, celebrating and commemorating 75 years of Jackie Robinson uh, having broken the color barrier 75 years ago on this date. So um, his legacy, um, how do you think it lives on today in baseball? Kostya? You know, in some ways, I think there's been a little bit of a resurgence in understanding in recent years of what Robinson did and what he went through. There is specifically uh, the Jackie Robinson Foundation, which Jackie's widow, Rachel, started 50 years ago that impacts, uh, sends kids to college, mentors them throughout, uh, gives them scholarships. That's an incredibly important foundation, which on the ground level is impacting lives every day. There's no way to get around that. And I think that he also, uh, just the knowledge of what he represented, like you look today out in Los Angeles where you are, the you know Dave Roberts is taking the team out to uh, gather near the Jackie Robinson statue at Dodger Stadium, as he did last year, to just talk about, you know, sometimes, and I've had guys say this to me, 
you know, you, you read about what Jackie went through, and suddenly the fact that I went over four doesn't seem so hmm. so serious in a way. Uh, and I think people are understanding the kind of pressure and the kind of um, sort of demands that he he had to absorb and go through to be the player that he became. What would he think? Do you think Jackie of the state of baseball today? What do you think? He was sort of generally optimistic, so I think he would be okay with it. Uh, I mean, I think he probably have he, he he you know he was always sort of an advocate for getting uh, representation African American um, and, and people of color into managerial ranks and into the front office. Uh, in terms of the state of play, he was you know he was not a guy who ever held out for a contract. He was not a guy who uh, you know got into like rules dissection and stuff like that. I think he'd, he'd overall he'd embrace the game and embrace the opportunity that he that he had to be in it. What do you think he'd think of Colin Kaepernick? What's going on in the NFL? What do you think? I think I think he would absolutely a hundred percent support Colin Kaepernick's right to do what he wanted to do. I do think that. Um, you know, Jackie, who was very close with Dr. King and worked with Martin Luther King in his retirement, uh, in, in Jackie's retirement on many civil rights issues. They were in D.C. together. They helped repair burn churches in Georgia together. He was very active. Um, but he also broke with Dr. King on Vietnam. He didn't, he, Jackie was very pro-American government, pro-military, even though Jackie himself had had some discrimination in the Army. So he, I don't know if Jackie would have been on board with like defunding the police, that kind of stuff. He was really respectful of authority through all he did. But of course he would have supported somebody speaking up and, and expressing themselves and their views. That was really what he was all about. True. The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson, uh, the author Kostya Kennedy. Before I let you go again, uh, this is not your first go-around talking about baseball and its history. What did you make of... Uh, Dave Roberts removing, um, removing Clayton, Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw with yeah with uh, in after seven innings and just eighty pitches. What what do you make of all of that? I, I think that from a from a baseball standpoint, right, and, and and it was Dave Roberts who did it, but these moves are made also organizationally down uh, in terms of you know how they're going to use players. Then that decision is not just about that game. It's about the next series and the whole series. It's what's the right decision to help the Dodgers win the World Series. So I get it. Kershaw obviously had been injured, short spring training, all of that. The, the only downside really is that, you know, fans were deprived. If you went to Minnesota that day, the old adage is, right, anything can happen. There's 162 games, but anything can happen on any day. Well, that day something really special might have happened this season because of that decision. Yeah, I know. So I think it's a little bit of a loss, but I understand why the organization. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I mean, that's a, that's that's the that's the right nuanced answer. I just think again, here we are on Jackie Robinson Day talking about what an electrifying player he was. I I, I mean, who, who's the guy in in baseball right now who's that leadoff guy that you can't miss because he gets on first and it's entirely possible he scores. We're just so focused on exit uh, velocity so much these days, you know, and it just seems that I don't know, like uh, the game, the game, the game's different. And I don't know how much better it is, to be honest with you, Kostya. I mean, am, am I wrong? No, no, that? I think you're right. You know, I think one of the paradoxes about it is that some of the the, the analytics um, emphasis on power, right? Emphasis on swing and miss for a pitcher. Emphasis on uh, defensive shift. Don't steal. Don't hit and run. All of those things make analytics sense. If you're running a team and your goal is to win, I understand why you would say this is what we're going to do. But all of those are things that hurt fans, right? You like to see a stolen base. It's exciting. You want to see the ball put into play and not either a strikeout or a home run. So I think a lot of these advanced metrics definitely hurt people like us, right, who like to watch the game and hopefully, you know, enjoy the game, even though they make sense uh, on the ground in terms of, helping people, helping a team win. I mean, the famed line of the general manager uh, du jour, one would say, and Branch Rickey, luck is the residue of design. He meant design of your baseball roster, right? I mean, he didn't mean design of a pitching plan that you put together in a conference room of a hotel room nine hours before first pitch, demanding your manager put this person in in that circumstance after four and a third. You know, like that's the design of baseball these days. You know? Yeah, no, you're right. That is a design. Um, and, 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 I mean, I guess the one thing organizations, and especially organizations like um, the Dodgers and, and the Rays, 
they're really good about communicating that to the players. So at least the players sort of know and, and they say, hey, this is what we're doing. But, I, you know, I agree with you. And I think that the there, there was a moment when Walker Buehler was pitching, I think in the playoffs of the World Series, uh, you have to remind me, a couple of years ago when he pitched seven strong innings and then he came out. Um, and you could see Sandy Koufax behind home plate stand up and, and <laughs> applaud uh, Walker Buehler. There's something about a great pitching performance, about being in there. Yes, maybe you get a little tired, you lose a little bit of your stuff, and you're still going on. It's super compelling for a fan to watch. It's just great to watch. And we're, for the most part, losing that. I mean, if we, if we don't get Clayton Kershaw out with a 6 nothing lead in the eighth inning when he's throwing 80 pitches, we're not going to get it very often, right? So um, it, I, it's a big loss. No question. Kostya, thank you for the call on this uh, this solemn day, um, one that deserves to be celebrated, commemorated, and um, one way to do it is to read your book, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson by Kostya Kennedy. It's called True. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. Rich, my pleasure to be on with you. Thank Thanks you so much. much. You bet. Enjoy the rest of the day there uh, in City Field. Who are the Mets playing today? Who are they playing today? Oh, wait a minute. What a diehard fan. I don't mean to be such a killjoy with baseball. You know what I mean? But luck is the residue of design. Branch Rickey, the general manager of of the day today, the man who is the GM of those Dodgers who 75 years ago sent Jackie Robinson out there to break the color barrier and change the sport forever. Mm-hmm. Truly. And my mom was the one who told me years ago, and my mom and dad... We're not diehard sports fans. My dad, may he rest in peace. My mom, every now and then, will just say, what's this Harbaugh doing? You know, like that's the sort of thing that I'll get from her out of the blue, you know. Um, I saw your brother was so upset about the Jets today, you know. Like that's the stuff I'll get from my mom. That could but be any day, though, the last few years. <laughs> know, right? But they're, they're both from Brooklyn. You know, my parents, born, I was born in Brooklyn, and my parents, you know, that was the last time I think they rooted – significantly for sports was when the Brooklyn Dodgers were in town and Jackie Robinson was doing his thing. And Jackie, she told me, you know, that they invented split screen television for him. The guy gets on first. You got to see him take the lead. Yeah. And so boom, there he is on the right side of the screen or he's on third base, you know, when he's on third base, taking those leads, it's like, he's going to steal home and got to see how much of a lead he's taking to see if he's going to take off. And like, that's, that's the excitement in how he generated all of that. And Branch Rickey being the luck, being the residue of design, and design meant the design of the roster. That's what design meant, mostly, I guess. I mean, I mean, I'm not a historian by trade. Now design is, again, like, okay, we're meeting in the conference room eight hours before first pitch on Zoom, or we're in town, you bring that binder, you bring your binder, and the design is we're going to open with this guy, and then we're going to bring this guy in, who's normally the starter in the second inning, because he's better against these guys in the bottom of the order. Certainly, we can get him through the lineup two more times. That'll get us to our guy that you're going to bring on in the sixth, because he throws 100 million miles an hour, and then we'll do the same with the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth. And then we'll get the win, and then we'll talk about this tomorrow, okay? And that's how they send their manager out. Where's the gut? Where's the feel? Where's the the luck comes from all of that because the numbers are crunched and this is the way we're going to most likely get through this win tonight. And I just don't like it, man. It just, but then again, it all comes down to it and I'm locked in on last night's Yankees uh, Blue Jays game. Locked yeah, in. I was watching that last Locked night. in watching that game last night and Araldis Chapman comes in in the ninth inning to close out a 3 nothing lead for the Yanks and he walks the bases loaded. I mean, he couldn't put the ball over the plate, and I'm living and dying with every second of this. You know, and the Yankees pulled him. Yankees pulled him, wound up getting the getting the win from uh, a save from uh, this kid King, who's been around a couple of years. And he comes in, and he strikes out a guy on three pitches that, bar- that barely missed 100 miles an hour each yeah. time, and then got a... Uh, uh, a humpback uh, liner to second, double play, end of the game. And their Chapman, Matt, was the one who was caught off with his running uh, blunder. Yankees get out of it, and I'm excited. I can't quit baseball. Interestingly enough, Chapman was so bad 
How bad <laughs> was he? Chapman was so bad when he came out of the game, the umpires didn't even bother to check his hat, glove, or hands for anything <laughs> illegal. They just let him go. I swear to you that happened. I swear to you that happened last night. They're they're like, maybe like, you should like, do something. They're just like, we don't need to check him because... He didn't have any of that, clearly. That's how bad he was. They just let him go. That happened. Go ahead. Gosh, almighty. You're good. You're good. We don't need to check you. Or just like, we don't want to piss you off anymore. We know you're upset. But it's just like, you're so bad, we didn't even check you for for cheating. I have Severino in fantasy. He looked good. Yeah. No. Not che- clearly, if you were cheating, you, you wouldn't have walked the bases loaded the way you did. <laughs> okay, we'll take a break here on the Rich Eisen Show. Still to come, TJ's Big Ass Grab Bag. You want to do that when we come back? Let's do that. You ready right for the Grab Bag? Yeah, 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 let's do it. Stay here. ready. And then hour ready. number three, we've got Brett Phillips, who's a, a, a delight. What, another reason why you should love baseball. What a story uh, of this Tampa Bay Ray and a home run that he hit and what it meant for a certain young lady who he met and was being interviewed while he hit it. Love stories like this. That's coming up in hour number three when we'll also do What's More Likely for the Weekend. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Callaway Rogue ST Irons here on the Rich Eisen Show. We've been telling you about it. There's four types of them. You need to check them out. They're all awesome. And the best part about it is their longest irons ever. They are these longest irons ever. They've been built for the highest level, uh, at the highest level for every player. There's for every type of player. The Rogue ST Max is for the widest range of players. You can get uh, game improvement shaping, an incredible combination of speed, forgiveness, and all-around performance with that Rogue ST iron. If you're low to mid-single-digit handicappers uh, out there, either Rogue ST Pro for you. The Max OS is perhaps Callaway's best game improvement model. High to mid-handicappers can get better with that. The Max OS Lite is their most forgiving high-launch iron. It's for players with slower swing speeds. So I just basically described low to mid, mid to high. You've got slow swing speeds. You need a little bit more forgiveness with high launch. There's a, a, a Rogue ST iron for you. So no other irons perform like the new Rogue ST irons. Find your Rogue ST irons at CallawayGolf.com slash go rogue. TJ, you ready for your big-ass grab bag right Yo, here listen, on the Rich Eisen no, Show? A very busy this. Friday. That means it's time for TJ's top five, a.k.a. TJ's big-ass grab bag. Hit it, please. What in the world is in that bag? What you got in that bag? I love that. <laughs> All right, kaboom. Guess who stepped in the room? TJ here. Listen, I'm going to make this one quick. Uh, in this week's grab bag, you know, I was looking at Reddit. Chris Brockman, like two years ago, sent me down a Reddit wormhole, right? I really didn't go on Reddit too much. And he was like, no, you need to. And then I spent the next six hours literally going down a uh, Reddit wormhole that I, I don't know if I've ever really come out of. But, you know, I saw something the other day on Reddit and it was a question. And the question was basically, if you could delete any TV show from your memory, and rewatch it again for the first time, what TV show would it be? So that kind of made me think. And plus yesterday, Brockman, with your your thing about uh, 
Game of Thrones, how you could delete it from yeah, your memory. I wish I never watched it because he was so upset <laughs> yeah, the way so, it ended. Yeah, so so upset upset that he, he was willing yeah. to let one bad season erase right. the, the great. So I'm just going to dig petty. into the no, big ass grab bag and I'm going to give you TJ's top five shows that if I could okay. delete from my memory and rewatch them, I would because I'd love them so much. Come to number five. You know, back in the day in the, in the mid 90s, you know, I know everyone was watching Seinfeld and everyone was watching Friends and I grew to have an appreciation for Seinfeld, as you know. But back in those days, I wasn't watching that. My Thursday night lineup consisted of Fox. And the main thing on that Thursday night lineup was Martin. I'm a huge Martin Lawrence fan. I probably watch Martin at least once a day. Now it runs on, I forget what TV station it's on. It's on all the time. time. Martin Lawrence, you know, and his group of friends with Gina and Tommy and Pam and Cole and all the characters that Martin would play, like Shanene and... Dragonfly Jones and, and and then you you know it was just Martin was always hilarious to me man and like I said back in the day I wasn't into those other shows this was it this was for the culture this is what my friends were watching I love Martin and if I could go back and watch it all over again I would was up was up was up Okay, come to number four. This one, like I said, if you know any of my backstory, then you kind of get this one. I came into Los Angeles in the late 90s, early 2000s. Happened to meet a guy who was on a TV show, and we became best friends. And then we lived with each other, and we had some really... We had some moments that I really said, man, my friends back in Pittsburgh, if I could only get them to understand what this is all like, like what my life has turned into. And then it happened. Entourage came on on HBO. And it was a story of a movie star and his crew and them navigating life through, you know, Los Angeles and everything that it had to do, the party scene and whatnot. So it was something for me. That it was, you know, I was kind of living this type of life, but it was also me being able to show my friends back at home. Like, if I'm telling you what's going on, it's hard to really get it. But when I'm showing you now, you can kind of see what life is like. So if I could go back and just rewatch Entourage, it was one of those shows, Chris, that like I didn't wait for the DVR. Like I made sure I was at home on Sunday for that first. Yeah, you watch it live. We watched it live almost every week. So I loved Entourage and I'd go back and do that again. Uh, coming at number three. Friday Night Lights. This show was just phenomenal, man. And I can remember when Friday Night Lights first started, like the camera angles and the cuts. If you remember, they were very weird and it would almost kind of get you dizzy. But fast cuts. Yeah, man. But just the story of these high school kids and, and, and football, which we all love. So and Texas high school football where it's a religion down there. And plus, you know, you got coach, you got uh principal Tammy, Mrs. Coach. Like, I just love Friday Night Lights and it was just something really cool and it kind of puts you back in that high school mode though my high school we weren't drinking beer like tim riggins and we didn't have you know a lot of girls that look like layla but you know like you know friday night lights was i loved it bro and i know you and i talked about this to show that you were really into as well right yeah the pilot episode is maybe one of the best hours of tv available on peacock available on peacock yeah all right coming to number two i'm gonna be honest there were three shows that i could have put in here they're all pretty heavy i left one out uh, coming at number two, I'm, I put The Wire. And the reason I put The Wire is very simply. That's number one for me. In addition to being one of the greatest television shows of all time, the reason The Wire probably isn't number one is because at that time, from 2008 to from 2002 to 2008, I was still doing the Hollywood thing. I was still in these streets, Chris. I wasn't running home to watch The Wire. So I'd pick up, you know, shows here and there, but I didn't, I wasn't fully committed to it until recently really the pandemic when i just sat down and rewatched the whole thing but the wire honestly if this is anyone's number one no it's one's gonna one argue with you yeah it's what's, uh, what's your number one well number one i got breaking bad and i think that's pretty yep. obvious that's just a, and but i also want to say this i almost ended breaking bad me ended i almost ended breaking bad uh beginning of the second season i'm down in hollywood on sunset and gower going to a club i'm in an elk my old el camino i pull up to a red light and i almost hit a guy crossing the street that guy was aaron paul <laughs> so could, and i was friends with aaron paul back then so could you imagine if me and, and the el camino had wiped out aaron paul at the beginning of season two of breaking bad an el camino of all cars of all cars right vince gilligan would have been upset cranston wow. would have been upset breaking bad would not have been what it was so you're welcome for not hitting Aaron Paul. And you know, those are my top five Thank shows you. that if I could pull 
my memory chip out, delete it, and watch them all over again, I would. And obviously, The Sopranos would be up for most, right? But that was just, that was really heavy, bro, and I'd left that one out. Okay. That's TJ's big-ass yeah. grab bag. Brett What's Phillips the of the bag? Tampa Bay Rays is going to be... bag, TJ? <laughs> Brett Phillips wow. of the Tampa Bay Rays coming up in hour number three of this program. I, I, um... I think you've. That's a great list. It's a great list. Um, I, yeah. I never really watched Martin as much as you did. Um, oh, I love you know, Martin. Entourage for me. Ari Gold was one of the best uh, yeah, anti-hero yeah. characters that's been out there. And like I said, Rich, um, for me, my trying to just describe the people. Like this is what I'm doing now. The, it's the only way to do it. The Wire is you know got lost in the Sopranos shuffle. Yeah. But The Wire is truly one of the greatest television shows ever made. I, if I had a if I had a nail. The best TV show on pre on on uh, basic cable and and the best television show in the history of you know premium cable right premium is pay cable premium. and basic is it's not free but I'm just talking <laughs> about like a basic cable package ABC CBS. Breaking Bad is the greatest uh, basic cable show ever I know that they would occasionally let the curse words in and then there's Asian others every now yeah, and then right. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, it's between The Sopranos and The Wire, and I, I might have to go The Wire. I think The Wire is sprawling. It is brilliant. It is well acted. And the fact that they would change, uh, it would be same characters, mm-hmm. same location, different storyline, different open it. music every year. You know, and David Simon wrote it, and it took a long time for it to get as popular or as as as... Uh, mentioned as much as possible. I follow him on Twitter. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, and uh, I think he said he's got a new show coming out. So he wanted to give everyone a heads up now. So in 2029, when they start talking about it and sharing it and wanting to, you know, keep hosannas on it, like that's when it's going to happen. But the wire, uh, Stringer Bell, um, you know, Idris Elba, um, Michael B. Jordan, his, is just his truly one of the greatest characters of all time. But Breaking Bad for me is, uh, I, I guess that would be tops on basic cable. Yeah, That's love it. Because when we were doing the old show and talking about Breaking Bad, I had never seen it, so I would exit the room. That's right. When you guys would talk about it, and then I was trying. Does to- our podcast with the exit? interview still exists with um uh Vince Gilligan. yeah i have somewhere? found a site uh a couple years ago uh, that has all of our archives from back in the day that's good yeah because we as soon as it was over breaking bad was over he he was with us and we we peppered him with questions like for an hour and a half yeah and it was yeah. only supposed to be 30 minutes that's right it's one of the best at breaking bad interviews i've ever right. heard and it was ours to be honest <laughs> 